This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Here's Manko on the near side, lifts it high in the air to center for Patterson. Takes it down beautifully out of the air into the shark zone. Left circle for Susie to the back door. McKayan scores! A tremendous passing play off the rush, finished off by Ilya Mikheyev. To Susie at the point. Brick wide pass, Bovillier with a one-timer. He scores for the right circle. Anthony Bovillier has his first of the year. It's the Canucks' fourth power play goal of the hockey game. And the Canucks have as many goals tonight as the Sharks do all season. They're up nine to nothing. Have your say on the official home of the Canucks. Amberson back to it behind the net. He's stripped to the puck by Garland. Got it up front. Bovillier shoots. He scores. Anthony Bovillier has his second goal of the third period. And it's a 10 spot for Vancouver. 10-0 Canucks lead. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks absolutely throttle the San Jose Sharks 10-1 victory in California. The Canucks pick up points in their sixth straight game, now have seven wins in their first 10, 15 points on the season. What a start, a plus 24 goal differential on the season as well. The absolute best in the National Hockey League. The Canucks are rolling to start the season, and this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Dan Riccio, and as always, get your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650-650. You can also grab a phone line 604-280-0650 or toll free one 650 Now, before we get to some of that reaction, we are going to get to Randy Janda in just a moment, but I mean, what else can you say about this performance here tonight? Uh, I guess too bad Demko didn't get a shutout at the very end, um, and maybe the head coach should have challenged it. I see a lot of people uh, mentioning that on on social media and our, on our text inbox, but I think we just got to start with how dominant this performance was. And yes, we know this Sharks team is very bad. Maybe one of the worst teams in a generation. Oh yeah. Undoubtedly. But we mentioned how the Canucks, especially after the game they played in at home against Nashville. They won, but they didn't play their best. The coach challenged them. You wanted to see them come out and and take care of business. And boy, did they take care of business in San Jose. Oh, did they ever. And taking every opportunity and throwing the pedal down, pushing the pedal down, pedal to the metal, whatever you want to say. That was an unbelievable performance by the Vancouver Canucks. From an offensive perspective, they were just on and toyed with the San Jose Sharks at different points. The way they moved the puck through the neutral zone, connecting passes. It was like, uh, you know, when like Barcelona would connect 20 passes at a time in the lead up to a goal or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the fans start chanting, ole, 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 after every <laughs> pass is completed. You could have done that with the Vancouver Canucks at different points tonight. Because the Sharks were nowhere to be found defensively. And the Canucks to took every advantage possible in this absolute laugher. And when you've got stars like Pedersen and Hughes and even the way Miller and Besser are going right now, um, you can't be that loose defensively like the San Jose Sharks were tonight. No, you absolutely can't. And uh, that's what they were tonight. And the Canucks, well, they absolutely riddled them with 10 goals this evening. Let's bring in Randy Janda into the conversation. And Randy, I mean, uh, and here we thought the Canucks' biggest win of the season was going to be in the first game of the year, 8-1. Oh, they're not going to score 8 again. They're not going to win 8-1 again. This is going to be the biggest win they have all season. Ha, ha, ha. And here we go. Nine games later, they put up 10 <laughs> on the San Jose Sharks. Boys, I'm I'm like, is Batch going to call another goal here? Because we had so many. Wow. I'm just, I'm not sure if it's over yet. Breaking this news, was... the Canucks just scored again. 
Yeah, pretty much. I think Dan, uh, you know, David Quinn, sorry, is going to be uh, in a, a situation where he's going to have nightmares based on that game. But it's a long season in San Jose. I feel sorry for a lot of those people there, uh, the 30 people that attended that game as well. But overall, if you start looking at, you know, the start to that game, you could tell once that four-minute penalty went on the board that San Jose, just from their body language, were like, uh-oh, here we go again. And absolutely clinical from the Canucks early on in that game. Besser with the absolute rocket off of his stick. And then Miller, the bank pass goal. It, 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 that moment told us that, all right, a team that has no confidence, just lost everything in that opening few minutes, this game was going to go in a certain direction. It uh, it felt like the San Jose Sharks of like their fran- like their uh, first ever year in the league. It was like is Johan Garpenlov out there, Pat Falloon, like what is it? Jeff Jeff Rogers, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. it was it was ugly, you know. And uh, the Canucks took took every advantage, but it's Quinn Hughes again, man. Like everything he does on the ice, he can't seem to put uh, a wrong foot almost anywhere. Randeep and five points matching a Canucks single game record held by Jeff Brown. Um, It's just, you know, we see it so often, but I don't want to get desensitized to it. The way that he controls the game out there, the way that he sort of moves the chess pieces around with the way that he moves the puck and the way he moves in the offensive zone and creates spaces, creates passing lanes. I mean, it's just, it's freakishly good. Yeah. And, that first period kind of gave us the the power play aspect, those two goals that, you know, Besser and Miller scored. But guys, beyond that, getting the shots through and and even that, you know, 3 nothing goal that he scores, the points are one thing, but his ability to dance on that blue line. And, you know, even in his rookie year and the years that followed, we were amazed by it. His level has just gone up and he's so much more dynamic. He's got multiple moves that can pull off. And what I really liked about his game is, you know, five points – it kind of happened quietly in a weird way where like even the last game he had three assists and we're just like, Oh yeah, three assists to your point. You don't want to be desensitized to it, but he is so good that at the end of a night, like that game against Nashville, you can say, Oh, Quinn Hughes had three points. Of course he did because that's what he does. As of right now, guys, he's up there with Artemi Panarin, JT Miller in terms of point scoring this year. He's up there in the top five of the NHL. The Canucks have three players that are, top five NHL scoring alongside Elias Pettersson. It's basically New Jersey and Vancouver at the top of the scoring list right now. So part of that, you know, seeing a defenseman that high up and so skilled, it's special to see in this market because there's never been anybody like Quinn Hughes, even even remotely close. But across the league, I hope the folks on the East Coast stayed up for this one and the last game. I know that's maybe an issue where people on the East Coast don't watch Quinn Hughes as much as they should. They should. It should be must-watch appointment viewing this season in the NHL. Yeah, and I mean, he, he's been absolutely tremendous. And we were joking about how this game is so late that nobody out East stayed up to watch it anyway. So, hey, if, it didn't ha- if some, nobody out East watched the game, did it actually happen? You know, so I think that's one of the Sportsnet questions. Sportsnet Plus, baby. You can watch that in replay. <laughs> 100%. I know a lot of Canucks fans out east are listening right now. I've been watching this game and are staying up late to watch their team. And we certainly appreciate that. And, and we're having a lot of fun with some of the, uh, I'd say, voters yes. and uh, analysts yes. and prognosticators mm-hmm. that may not always uh, stay up to watch the Canucks as contently and closely as we do out here on the West Coast, of course. But, I mean, it was an impressive performance in so many different ways, right? And I think the guy's getting a lot of points. And I think one of the real positives in a game like this is guys got some of their firsts. 
Yeah. You know, Bevilliers been, you know, he's been snake bitten. Nothing. His first 10 games gets two goals tonight. Pew Suter, Randy, uh, we talk so much about his smarts, his good defensive play, his active stick, and he was rewarded with his good defensive play by scoring, scoring a goal tonight. So I think it was really good, too, for some, some of these players on the team that were looking to get something on their score sheet. Them finally doing so was really big for their confidence, I think. Oh, absolutely. And I think Pew Suter, we talked about it post game last game where, you know, in a game that wasn't, um, you know, something that Rick Tockett was happy with, but defensively, Pew Suter's always going to always going to be a guy that does his job there and he's not going to necessarily lose you games or matchups. It's He might not give you that much offense, but that game against Nashville, too, just making the smart play, uh, took some of the ice time from JT Miller when Miller was stapled to the bench for a couple of minutes, but today, just that play on the blue line on Philip Zadina, creating the turnover, gets rewarded to score that goal. You like to see it. You like to see this relief on his face after he scores two. Rather than jubilation, it was more of a, I finally got one. And Anthony Bavillier, like this has been a couple of games coming here now, right? Where he's picking up assists, you're seeing that confidence, the selfless play to make the pass to Elias Pettersson to get his hat trick the last game. And you could see even late in the game when he scores on that one timer at the you know, the nine nothing goal, they were trying to get the puck to him. They wanted to get him the puck on the right hand side, and eventually the puck trickles through, he gets his goal, but you feel good about that because now next game it's gonna be a tough one. Dallas is Basically the exact opposite of the San Jose Sharks, one of the hottest teams in the league, uh, a real powerhouse in the Central Division. But if you have some confidence in your bottom six, if you got guys that are feeling good about themselves and saying, hey, I got one, uh, I don't have a, a zero next to my name when it comes to points or assists or goals, um, you know, it just makes them play a little bit bigger. And really, that internal competition question, right? We're talking about, okay, if you're playing well in the bottom six, then the guy that's not in the lineup, well, they have to come back stronger. Well, Dakota Joshua, we're looking at you because in a game like this, sure, we understand the level of competition, but Bovillier picks up two goals. You had Sam Lafferty with a multi-point night. You had you know other players like Pew Suter do their job. That internal competition for the bottom six, uh, guys are putting up points. Now Dakota Joshua has got to make sure that he's ready to go and he practices hard next time out. You know, we, uh, we're talking... Um in the lead up to the Nashville game about how the Canucks power play wasn't clicking yeah. or didn't seem to be clicking in the same way that it was earlier in the season. And, you know, they, they open up tonight's game. They get that, uh, that double minor, uh, Nico Sturm gets a stick up on Mark Friedman yeah. and the Canucks go two for two on the double minor. They score another power play goal for good measure before the first is done. And it's all from that top unit. Big shouts to Brock Besser and how he got going. But and what I love, and it's something we've talked about for so long when they weren't doing it and now that they are doing it, but the way they move, the way they move around in the offensive zone, the way that you know, they force the opposition to try and figure out where the biggest threat is, but they're like, it's impossible. It's a fool's game because you can't make that one decision, there's just too many threats to cover when it's the Canucks power plays going like that. Yeah, they they got to bring that consistency, but I was, you know, it's hard not to be impressed in a game like this where they go four for five. And what I particularly liked about their execution was they scored different goals, right? The first goal is a one-time. It's more of a, like a conventional setup. You load up in Brock Besser. He ends up leaning into it. What, it was 89 miles per hour absolutely blasted by the goaltender the bank pass power play you know we've talked about that where maybe a couple of games they didn't have creative ways to enter the zone they go back to the bank pass 
heck, heck of a play by you know Brock Besser to make that pass. JT Miller's on his horse, ends up getting that, and then the fourth goal, the three, uh, the third power play goal was just a greasy one. It was just great hand-eye coordination by Brock Besser. And I look at those first period goals that really set the tone. And your you know point about switching right before the the four nothing goal. There's an opportunity. JT Miller's trying to set up Brock Besser in the bumper spot. Obviously, left-handed shot, left-handed pass from JT Miller going to the righty in, in the bumper spot. They can't find it. You can see that San Jose is trying to overload that. They're trying to get as tight as they possibly can to, to Brock. So what do they do? JT switches. He goes on the right flank, and all of a sudden, there's a different look. Brock goes down to the net front, and they score maybe 20 seconds later. And San Jose didn't really know what to do. That's what makes this team so dynamic where Kuzmenko can play the bumper net front. Uh, Pedersen's going to switch. Quinn Hughes is all over the place. You know, pick your poison. And in the past, what we've seen is maybe in our minds, it was our right flank, left flank. Uh, You're going to try to do the Tampa Bay model of one guy at the point, two guys on the right-hand side, the conventional. And they kind of, you know, Stamkos has his spot, Kucherov has his and Braden Point has his. Well, if you can interchange like that, you're keeping the PK guessing, and it's going to be a long, long night for them. So very much agree with you on that, but I loved how they scored goals very different ways in the in the first three power play goals of the game. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, um, I did want to ask you here a little bit about Thatcher Demko because he was great tonight. He made a number of really nice saves too, and especially on that power play late. And his ultimate, first save of the game had to be a big one. Yeah, Canucks yep. give up a high danger chance right out of the gate. There. Yeah, and he made a big save. He made a number of nice saves throughout the game, and he was oh so close to getting that shutout. And Dan Riccio was getting uh, <laughs> getting dragged on the text them box. Dan, in the second intermission. Dan jinxed yeah. the shutout. Why would you even say it? We're blaming Dan Riccio. Is another text coming in? So so he's wearing it. Now I don't believe in any any of that. When stuff. When in doubt, blame Dan Riccio. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's, what, okay. that's what we do sounds at work, anyways. Right. It sounds about right. right. Yeah, uh, but I'd say that. You, there was a decent case, I think, for goalie interference. Mm-hmm. Now, the forward was was battling with a Canuck player. Maybe he was pushed in. I don't know if he was pushed in. It seemed like he had a path he goes through. Nonetheless, it's a call that you often see a coach feel pretty good about making, no matter what. And considering the fact that Thatcher Demko was on a shutout, you could have seen the argument for like, you know what? Hey, challenging. You're up 10 anyways. Even if you get a wrong and they get a power play, who cares? Like You're up anyways and, and do it for your goaltender. But I don't think the coach felt right, it seemed like, to challenge a play when the team is up 10-1 at that point. Yeah, if you looked at the kind of the mannerisms of Thatcher Demko right after that goal happens, he's signaling yeah. to the refs. He's looking towards the bench to say he's mouthing something, basically like challenge it or, or whatever it may be. Uh, he's saying something. Uh, so you know where Thatcher stood on that. But from a, a coach's perspective, you're thumping this team. And there is still that that code of, hey, you know what? We're not going to rub salt in the wound, which I don't mind. Like Rick Tockett, your team is winning. And for what we know about Tockett, it's about the way that you play the game. One goal here, one goal there. It might feel good for, for Thatcher Demko. Obviously, you're, you're patting the goalie on the back. But they're playing a bigger game here, right? This is not about you know a goal here, a goal there. So I can understand why... Talk it would essentially say, you know what? There's no need to to go out of our way to to get this goal back. We've done the job. We played the way that we wanted to play. If a goal goes in against us or not, it doesn't matter. Uh, we're playing the right way. And and I'm curious to hear his his comments after the game. But overall, like we know he stands up for his players. But in that moment. Um, Rick Tockett's been on the other side of this as well. Remember, the Arizona Coyotes in 2017-2018 had lost the first 11 games of the season. So I think a little bit of of maybe empathy kind of uh, set in there to say, all right, you know what? 
even if we give this one up, it's not a big deal. Uh, our guy is an elite goaltender in the league. He's going to get plenty of shutouts. And, you know, to your point about a couple of big saves early on, that's kind of been Thatcher Demko's forte, right? He's, what, allowed three goals against this season on 56 high-danger chances, 946 save percentage, which is third best in the NHL heading yeah. into this game. Um I, you know, the confidence in his game right now is through the roof and as it should be because when he's healthy, he's as good as anybody in the league. I have one final thought on uh, on Mark Friedman here yeah. just because, like, what a find he's been for the Vancouver Canucks. And uh, I know the text inbox is just, I mean, who's not going to love a guy that's blocking shots with his face in a 10 nothing game, right? I mean, it's just. And it comes back. I don't know if that would it was intentional, though, yes. but yes, good point noted. It was, it, the puck hit his face, okay? Like, don't let, let the truth get in the way of a, of a narrative here, uh, Randy. But no. It was a, it was a I mean, he didn't have to, like, you know, be kneeling down trying to block the shooting true, lane true. in he, the way that he did in a 10-0 game. He's blocking the shooting lane. He comes back afterwards as well. Yeah. So, like, hey, you give the guy credit for his battle level. But what totally. a find for, for the Canucks. Yeah, and what I like about his game is all of that, because you're right, even remember the the Sturm high stick was on him. He already yep. had like work done on him early on in this game. Then that happens late in the game, and he doesn't shy away from just those moments. And we remember the Tanner Janot fight, which is a very tough fight. But overall, like he's engaged, he's gonna battle, he's gonna be in those positions to to do the right thing. And you know, he's not necessarily um really really good at anything in the sense that you know he can wow you with one single characteristic but he's fully engaged and he's tough to play against we can see that so you know from raising the bar on the back end mark friedman's been a heck of a pickup as far as just being that bringing that compete level and you guys might have seen it as well where when he comes back to the bench you know phil philip Hronik was just leaning over and, and asking and i love to see that where he comes back to the bench and guys are just checking in on him, giving a, a pat on the head to say, all right, good to see you back. Thank you for doing that. That's a, that's a glue guy, boys. I don't know how much he's going to play the rest of the way, but when you're willing to do that for your teammates, uh, guys notice, they love that, and you can tell he's been a heck of an addition thus far, even though he might not put up points or he might not you know, do necessarily you know, the, the offensive side of things, but he does a lot in terms of staying engaged and being physical and and bringing that real pest factor of this team up because uh, they do need some of that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's one of those things. They need depth. They need guys that can battle. And the Canucks defensively, well, they have been stable. And now some are texting. Jay and Poco says, I don't care. They scored 10. It was inexcusable how they played the last 10 minutes and give up the shutout for Demko. So still some criticism for how they play. But overall, I mean, it's tough to boo a 10-1 victory. And we'll hear from the head coach coming up in a bit as well. But great stuff as always, Randy. We'll chat with you again very soon. Thanks, guys. Take care. You got it. That is Randeep Janda, color commentator, alongside Brendan Bachelor's call on Sportsnet 650, a 10-1 drubbing in San Jose against the Sharks. Now, uh, we are going to hear from the head coach as soon as that becomes available. Uh, we'll take some phone calls, but before we do that, let's hit some text messages here. A lot of thoughts flying into the text inbox. Uh, and we mentioned, you know, you know, out east, there are Canucks fans that are up and still watching the team. And yep. I'm up, Mikey Willoughby, currently in Boston, says, we're, man, we're spoiled in the West Coast for hockey. Sucks to stay up this late for hockey, but he is staying up uh, for his team. And we've had a number of other people texting in and saying that the, they're staying up late out in Toronto as well um let me just bring this one up real quick 
It's like Jeopardy music. All right, this one. Yeah. Gentlemen, genuine question. Not trying to be pessimistic at all, but could this start be a red herring? Only one of the teams we beat is over 500 right now, or are the Canucks just beating teams, causing them to completely implode after? Could that be the positive way to look at it? Thanks, Matt in Toronto, who stayed up late to yeah. watch the game as well. So, I mean, genuine question. The Canucks, they've beat the Edmonton Oilers twice. I think we all agree that the Edmonton Oilers are not only going to be over 500, there will also be a playoff team before it's all set and done. Oh, they lost again tonight. So. Yeah, the Dallas Stars are pretty good. I still think they'll they'll make the playoffs. Yes. Um, and again, I think it's a fair fair question to ask, but all you can do is win the games in front of you. And when we went into the season, wasn't there concern about that five-game road trip? It's like you place Edmonton on the first yeah. two games of the season, Stanley Cup contender. Then you go to play Philly. Okay, maybe that's a game you can win, but then it's Tampa. Then it's you're going to Florida. And yeah. now then you're finishing things off in Nashville. And it's like, well, that ends up being a, a pretty challenging road trip all of a sudden. You have the Rangers in the first 10 games. Well, Nashville's under 500 because of the Canucks. Yes, because they beat them twice. Yeah. So it's one of those things where it's like, I get, get it, but all you can do is take care of business. The Canucks did that so far. It's early in the season still, right? But... I mean, it's hard to to be you know pessimistic about how they've started, or even be somewhat concerned because I don't think it's a red herring. They're not going to what they have seventy five percent of the points right now. Yeah, they're probably not going <laughs> to finish the season with one hundred and thirty points or whatever no. they're on pace for, one hundred and forty whatever they're on pace for. But the way they're playing, I don't think you should be worried about. Oh, it's going to bottom out, and they're going to be this you know five hundred team again. Like I don't see that in the cards. Seven two and one. You'll never not take that uh, ten game stretch, no matter who the opponents are. And uh, the Canucks have beaten teams that are five hundred. They've beaten teams that are expected to be playoff teams. You know, the Edmonton is a expected Cup contender coming into the year, even though they've started really poorly. And we can see it. Yeah, I know some of the numbers are suggesting what we're seeing is a little bit of a mirage with the Vancouver Canucks. And their shooting percentage is, especially even after tonight's game, going to be something that is, what's the word I'm looking, uh, unsustainable. Unsustainable, yeah. yes. All of those things are somewhat true, but we can also see that there's large parts of their game that have improved that internally their young players, their core players have taken what seems to be another step. Hughes looks even better, adding to his game. Pedersen continues to add to his game. Miller has played like the two-way center you need him to be behind Elias Pedersen and also still putting up points at another three tonight. It's just really hard not to be, at the very least encouraged by what you're seeing even the most pessimistic Canucks fan has to be encouraged by what we're seeing through these first 10 games and it's making it like you've got through 10 games of the season you've got through 18 percent of the year and you're basically saying uh, sorry eight percent of the year and you're basically saying we've got a chance to go to the playoffs so that's whereas last year you're like we're not going to the playoffs. Yeah, it was very obvious. <laughs> you're, you're pretty obviously like, oh, we just lost the first seven games of the year. We're in tough now. So you just completely flipped the script on its head. Yeah, they absolutely have uh, a lot of 
Optimism, Nav, Nav in Dallas, Nav P in Dallas says, wow, this is, team is for real. I'm a longtime Canucks fan, now living in Dallas. I get my hopes up every year, but this year feels way different. I told everyone to just have faith in Rutherford and Alvin, and I think I was right. So Nav is feeling pretty good about his faith in Alvin and Rutherford. Yeah. All right, let's take one phone call before we hit the break, and we'll get to the head coach as soon as that is available, which it will be when, when we come back. So let's start things off in Vancouver, where we have Gavin on the line. Gavin, thanks for calling in, buddy. Uh, what are your thoughts hey. on the Canucks 10-1 win? Yeah, I mean, overall, it's uh, I can't complain. They won 10-1, but if you guys want to be honest with you, I'm kind of heartbroken right now. Um, and the reason being is because my parlay didn't hit. Uh, <laughs> for some reason, for some reason um, well, I should have seen it coming, but when they started going up like 5 nothing, my friend was getting really excited, and he's just like, dude, this is great, you know, like... Uh, your your three three of your four like parlay hit um, or two of it uh, hit right. I had a uh, uh, Besser. I don't know. Sorry, JT Miller and Quinn Hughes um, getting over zero point five points in the game, and then I parlayed it with Patterson getting over. Uh, was it? Uh, I think three and a half shots or two and a half shots. I believe. Oh, okay, and nice. Dude had freaking one shot, and obviously Patterson is such a nice guy, right? Yeah. And the team is destroying the other team. This guy's not gonna shoot the puck, man. He's gonna pass it and try to hook up his teammates with goals. So I already knew. My bet was lost as soon as they were destroying them. I was like, this guy's not touching the puck. And then going to the third, I was like, this guy's probably going to take a seat. And yeah, I don't think he played like the last, like, I don't know, 10 minutes. Maybe yeah, he took, he took three shifts in the third, didn't play after uh, Bovillier scored the 10 nothing goal. So yeah, yeah. So that's pretty sad. But um, that's, uh, that's a tough thing. L. That's a bad beat. I'm going to say, Gavin, it's a bad beat. Tough Sometimes they say, happen. Yeah. Sometimes they happen. All right. Did, we, did Gavin drop? I guess, All right, I, we, I guess we lost. All right, uh, but thanks for the phone call, Gavin. Uh, I'm not sure what happened at the end, but appreciate your call nonetheless. Phil from Moncton, New Brunswick, where it's 2.35 a.m., still up and loving the 10-1 win. Let's go. So a lot of optimism <laughs> and, and fun on the text inbox. All right, we'll get back to more of your thoughts on the text inbox, and we'll hear from head coach Rick Tockett next right here on the Home of Your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Catch up on what happened in Vancouver sports with Halford and Bruff in the morning. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Shooter passes left wing for Bovillier into the shark zone. Back to Garland, right wing with a high wrister. Fought off by Blackwood over the goal. Emerson back to it behind the net. He's stripped to the puck by Garland. Got it up front. Bovillier shoots. He scores. Anthony Bovillier has his second goal of the third period. And it's a 10 spot for Vancouver. 10-0 Canucks lead. Double digits for the Canucks. And goal number two for Bovillier on the night and on the season. Not much of a celebration on the Canucks bench, but when you put up 10, you got to feel happy inside. You absolutely do. And we are going to hear from the head coach and what he thought about a 10-1 victory in San Jose over the Sharks. Quinn Hughes, a five-point performance. Brock Besser, two goals. Anthony Bavillier, two goals. JT Miller, three points. Elias Pettersson, three points. I'm out of breath talking about all the players who scored had big nights here for the Vancouver Canucks in San Jose against a very lowly Sharks team and this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks Sportsnet 650 it's Sat and Dan we are going to get to your phone calls coming up in a bit and we'll hear from head coach Rick Tockett uh, let's run through a couple of text messages really quickly Jack from Australia hey guys just wanted to say the Canucks gave a real classy account of themselves tonight Kuzmenko checking on Kakanen when no shock no shark bar there too after he ran into him and I think Tockett made the right call letting that goal stand that's the kind of hockey team I want to support, Jack from Australia. 
Uh, love to see that. And it's a classy way to phrase the text. Yes. Uh, this one comes in unsigned. Quinn Hughes might be the best player in the league right now. This isn't even an exaggeration. Had uh, five points tonight, a goal and four assists. He's got uh, he's got everybody talking, does uh, that one, Quinn Hughes. And um, this one from Brandon and Prince Rupert. No real sharks were harmed during this game. <laughs> Jokes for 60, coming in strong. I love it. All right, uh, we'll get to more of your thoughts coming up in a bit, but we wanted to hear from head coach Rick talking and what he felt and what he I'm enjoyed. curious about this one. I am curious. I mean, it's 10 goals. I mean, what, what can you possibly say yeah. that's negative with a 10-1 win? And here is the head coach meeting with the media post game. I got pizza all the way. I'm okay. Pizza? Nope, you're good. Pizza free. You see this freaking slice. Rick, what did you like about what your group was able to do tonight? Well, I think the power play kind of set the tone. I mean, you know. We have three or four power play goals, so I think that really kind of set up the game for us. Um, they were moving the puck well and obviously scoring some goals. They've got a big lead, but they seem to keep their foot on the gas, and you saw some depth scoring there later in the game. What do you like about that and just showing the effort and the, the commitment from this group? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's 4 or 5 nothing. You, you still want the guys to play hard. It's nice to see some guys that haven't scored to get their you know to get their confidence. Now maybe it loosens guys up, so that's something I'd like to see. And um, to get some other guys getting some goals, it was nice to see. How difficult is it to manage a game in the third period when it's like that, Rick, I suppose? Well, you, you, it's, you know, you don't want guys to let, you know, to back off. That's when you get hurt. Um, and, you know, there's some guys that are, I want to get, get some more ice time and rest some other guys, you know. Uh, so it was kind of nice to get some other guys playing a lot um, uh, that don't usually play this much and also, you know, getting some offense from those guys. Like I said, it will, hopefully it'll get them confidence down the road. You don't know how the game would have ended, but uh, Demko to save early. You get the face off, and that's when the double minor happened. So the timely save early, which led to the first two power. Yeah, plays. I mean we're used to that with Demmer. You know, he's just a, you know, he's obviously a hell of a goalie, and uh, you know, it's, it's every press conference I say the same thing about the guy. You know, the guy's a hell of a goalie. You probably could have challenged if the score was close, but in that situation, just gonna let it go. Yeah, I, I, I think the NHL. I mean, I, I'm not sure that would have, they would overturn that. I think uh, so. I didn't want to take a chance, and you know. Just at that point, you know, didn't think it was worth it. Yuli uh, Mikhaevsko has a point fifth straight game uh, after such a surgery, eight months rehabilitation. So, what what can I say about his performance, his game, his uh, attitude? Yeah, his attitude is one of the hardest working guys I've seen. You know, the eight, nine months that he's that he endured to come back. Um, I've been managing his minutes because I don't want to overplay him. You know, this type of surgery you want to make sure. So, um, it's been nice to manage his minutes. We're winning games and we're managing his minutes. I think that's that's a plus for us right now. I can't say about Kuzmenko this season. Compared to the last one, different role, maybe uh, pressure on himself to score the same number of goals. Yeah, I mean, it's not about individual stats. You know, it's you know he's it's a team game. You know, if he scores, that's great for us. But it's also the other parts of the game. You know, we're we're winning because of the team. Um, I'm not a big individual guy. Yeah, obviously he, he's got a score for us, and, but it's more the team game, and I think that's why our team's winning right now. We're all buying into that. Uh, that is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 10-1 win. Talks about buy-in, very happy with the game, and didn't criticize them at all then. Not a single word of criticism about how they played tonight. Not, uh, I mean, not it's a very critical hard. word to be found. When you win 10-1, and there wasn't, like, I know you know people texted in and mentioned they got a little loose at times in the third. And yeah, a little bit at the end, which is, I mean, it's it's pretty 
yeah. pretty common in a blowout, right? I, I took a lot of heat from saying I didn't love <laughs> how loose they were in the first period, period. defensively. <laughs> yeah, the coach is fine. I mean, they won. They put up 10. Yeah. It's a 10-1 victory. Uh, on the controversial play, if there is one in a 10-1 victory, there is a, a lot sum. of texts about it. There are people that saying he should have gone to bat for Demko. Now, the coach didn't come out and say that, hey, uh, I didn't want to do it because we're up 10-1. He said, I don't think, no way that gets overturned. Um, he wasn't sure about it. And, yeah. and he essentially said it didn't feel right to make that challenge when you're up 10-1 and you know what's going on. You're up 10 nothing at the time and... You know, so that's how he I felt about it. I, I don't think he wanted to come out and say, well, yeah, that would have been a goal, but I didn't want to do that. For how unpredictable goalie interference calls are, I can see where the coach is coming from. Yeah. You know, you never know. It, it looked as though, like, he, you know, the San Jose player comes through the crease, does give Demko a knock, but I've been wrong on goalie interference calls in the past. You don't want that. Look, it, it's just you, – you don't want that smoke I no, think if you you're don't. Rick Tockett. At the end of the day, yes, I understand. Go to bat for your guy, all these different things. It's 10 nothing. This has no bearing on the final result of the game. And it is not like, – if it's a slam dunk, oh, they absolutely missed this one, I'd do it. But given that it's not that, it's hard to really justify – challenging it yeah i mean when a guy goes through a crease though it's just one of those things like i felt like there's a good chance of being overturned he felt otherwise but hey that's why these things are subjective and they're i don't know man on. like goalie interference i never know yeah you're right, right. like the, the, gaunt, the, the garland goal in philly yeah. i thought for sure that was going to be overturned so did i and then i was like oh wow they, i guess that was fine you got there for <laughs> <laughs> right i guess that was okay yeah um and, and you know what honestly you're right i mean who knows how it goes but honest but when you win 10-1 yeah, you know, it's one of those things. The coach wasn't going to sit here and and be overly critical about anything either, and he clearly thought, you know, it wasn't worth challenging that play. Um, a lot of reaction on the text inbox. Ryan says, uh, "Fun fact: Bavillier, who had zero points not too long ago, is now on pace for forty-one, two goals and three assists, five <laughs> points in ten games. Funny how a couple of good games change things." And, and Ryan goes on to say, "A great show. We're not talking enough about Brock Besser, man. What a difference one year makes. Finally, we have a rookie Brock back. What a shot on the one-timer. Must have been great working on that in practice, which he did. Can't help but feel great for the guy, considering all he's been through. Thirty goals. This is the year, Ryan." And you know, he's right. Ryan is right. There hasn't been enough talk about Brock Besser. I don't know. I feel like we've talked a lot about Brock Besser today. I was going to say, <laughs> I felt like coming into today, there wasn't enough being talked about in terms of Besser because there's so many other things. Like Quinn Hughes, five points tonight. He just yeah. he tied in a Canucks record for an, for a defenseman scoring in a single game tonight with Elias five Patterson points. Patterson is second in the league in points. So And JT Miller has been fantastic, right? Demko has been great. And the other JT thing about getting benched was a big talk. There's been a lot of talking points. And outside of the first game from Besser, it's been kind of quiet about him. So we felt like we have to show Besser love. And in that thought against Nashville, he was one of the Canucks' best players yeah. in a night where some guys struggled. And if you missed it, go back and listen to Canucks Central on the podcast because today's show, the first segment, was largely spent on the season Brock Besser is having. And that continued tonight. You know, tonight we see the the flash that turned Brock Besser into a fan favorite that made yeah. him a Calder finalist in his rookie year. Uh, the 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 one timer on the power play the um great uh creativity on the bank pass to JT Miller to create the second goal you know, that offensive creativity that offensive skill is what made 
Brock Besser a huge talent, but I think the reason he's having so much success this year is how well he's playing away from the puck yeah. on a lot of nights, how well he's winning board battles more consistently this year. He's getting to the right areas. He's taking care of his own and helping the Canucks in the defensive end, playing strong in transition. You know, those are things that are leading to Brock getting back into the areas that allow him to be a guy that can score 30 goals this year. Yeah, and you know, now that he's already up to 8 on the season in 10 games, that means in the final 72 games, he's got to score 22. Yep. Which seems pretty doable. 22 goals in 72 games. It seems doable. Uh, it's what great starts can do to help uh help a roster. It's uh Brock off to an incredible start and everybody truly does love to see it uh, more jokes per 60 jason from richmond man so tight almost like a playoff game <laughs> <laughs> almost just about uh dan's right sock does mcdavid request a trade today <laughs> or tomorrow to vancouver uh, i don't know about that one yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Oilers are uh, in tough right now. That one's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, they're in a tough spot. And, you know, Eric texted in. The Canucks are now four points up on the playoff bar. So not much of a cushion already. So the Canucks, after tonight, currently are five points up on the Seattle Kraken, who are the first team out of a playoff spot, who have 10 points in 11 games. Canucks have a game in hand on them. Five points above the playoff bar is actually not bad through 10 games. And it could be seven if they win their game in hand. Yeah. That's, it's early in the season, but that again, it's about build. And we know how hard it is to make up ground. We've seen it. Yeah. And yeah, listen, you're always a four or five game losing streak from giving it all back this early in the season. So it can change in, in two weeks again. It can, right? So it's important that you keep things going. But if you're talking about building a cushion, no matter how you do it, when you win seven games out of your first 10 and you pick up 15 points... And you start having a five, six, seven point lead on the playoff bar. You start putting yourself in a type of position by American Thanksgiving, yeah. Where instead of us talking about how, listen, they're four points out of a playoff spot, and usually if that's the case, you don't make the playoffs. To being four or more points above the playoff bar, and when you get to that position, you're also not likely to fall out of the playoff race. Again, nothing is guaranteed, and this team obviously can't withstand big injuries. And like any team, obviously things can go sideways still for you, but. Regardless of whether you think it's sustainable for the Canucks to be this good or how good they are, this good start changes their outlook dramatically for success this season. Well, now, uh, you know, you play 500 hockey through till Thanksgiving. You're still probably in a playoff position at that point. This is the kind of cushion that the Canucks have built themselves. And this is going to be a difficult month. You know, okay, did I see a 10-1 win coming tonight? No, but this is... Absolutely a game you had to have. You've got a difficult schedule upcoming. Yeah. Uh, Dallas, I know they'll be playing their third game in four nights, but that's a difficult team. you got another matchup with Edmonton, who we know is going to be hungry to get more wins. McDavid and Dreisaitl are going to be leaned on a ton to get their record in check. So add that on to another Eastern road swing through Canada, and you know, you're looking at a month that has a lot of difficult matchups. So... Building any kind of cushion for the Vancouver Canucks is massive, and I still believe that what we're seeing, despite what some of the underlying metrics might say about the Canucks, how they've played in most games uh, is a team that's going to be in a lot of games. They're going to play a lot of tight games. They may not have the blowouts that we've seen early this season in the win column, but we're seeing a team that's 
a lot more structured and it's going to be a lot harder to beat once we get into you know the dog days of the season and you know games start to get a lot of t- a lot tighter on a regular basis that's what's at least I see starting to develop for the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, no, I, you're right. And I think th- that identity that's being built by the team, and there's still things they have to clean up and get better at, of course. Yeah. We're 10 games into the season, and the reality about identities, and I mentioned this before, but it's always good to bear, it, it bears repeating always that teams don't really hone in on what they are, even teams that have an identity, until you get like 40, 50 games into the season at the earliest. Yeah. That's when you really like everything becomes like, okay, now we know exactly what we're doing and what we are as a team. But the teams that are closer to it early are the ones that are successful. And it seems like the Canucks are part of that group where they're figuring those things out early in a season and they're starting to piece it together early. And that's very encouraging for their overall team game and, and why it can continue to improve despite there being room for improvement. Uh, a lot of thoughts on the text inbox, 650-650. We'll hit some of these uh, coming up in a second here, but let's go to the phone boards. We've had people waiting patiently to get on. So let's go to Nanaimo where Aiden is on the line. Aiden, thanks for calling in. Uh, what are your thoughts tonight? Hey, so yeah, my car, call got dropped last time, but uh, yeah, just overall love the way they're starting, love their energy, love the way the team is based, and I just think that um, for the playoffs being, I think, just take one game at a time, take one step at a time, try to win every game you can, Thatcher Demko's playing incredible, he's aw- honestly one of the best goaltenders in the league keep him stay healthy play the backup uh Pedersen Quinn Hughes just everybody's can or contributing to the game and I just love watching this team they're so fun to watch and I just want to continue just watching them they make every game fun I sat down in the second period and was just watching them score goal after goal after goal and I was just loving every minute of it it was great. Love it. Awesome. Hey, thanks for the phone call. That's Aiden and Nanaimo calling in. And I mean, and that enthusiasm, you, you can see it in our text inbox and, and people are obviously uh, excited to see where their team's at. And then there are people that, you know, are trepidatious. You see the text coming in about, hey, this this run isn't sustainable. The PDO, which, you know, factors in save percentage and, and shooting, shooting percentage. And if it's over uh, 100 or 1,000, technically, if, you're, if it's over 100, then... It usually means it's going to come back down to earth at some point. And Canucks all have the these number factors. one shooting percentage of five on five and the number one uh, save percentage of five on five. And those all, numbers are going to normalize. Yeah, they will normalize. And that's and that's all true. And that's why, I mean, again, you have 75 yeah. percent of the points through. But also, it doesn't games. mean you're going to lose seven games in a row. No, it doesn't. And, and I think like that's, can, I feel like that's what sometimes people equate it to. You know, just because a number is going to normalize and come down to earth, regress. Yeah, it will, but it doesn't mean they're going to lose seven, eight games in a row and all of a sudden like go into the trash and, and end up being a basement team again. No, one of the things they they do have in their favor, however, is that Kuzmenko scored again tonight, and his shooting percentage is out of what it was last year at twenty seven. Yep. It's it's down to earth this year, and it's still like fourteen or fifteen, right? Like it's still like a good percentage after tonight. Um, he's a guy that has shown already in his short NHL career. He's a he's he's a, an above average shooter. Pedersen's a guy who shoots at a very, shoots at a very high percentage. Besser gets on a run, he shoots at a high. Like the Canucks do have a few guys that typically outperform normal shooting percentages, and I think that gets factored in. Quinn, like a lot, anything Quinn's shooting, it seems like it's getting into the net right now. Yes, you know what I mean. And and, and a lot of it is he's worked on it, but it's also some of the bounces going his way. But he's also taking a ton of shots. A ton. He's up. He's averaging over three shots per game. Yeah, he's going to be like among. 
He's going to be around 250 shots if he keeps this up. Yeah. Which is among the league leaders amongst defensemen, which is where he said he wanted to get to. So you know, they're, they're doing a lot of good things. Some of the numbers will start to normalize. But, you know, if they have more games like tonight, you know, they're, maybe they're not scoring 10 goals, but they're scoring four. Guess what? You still win that game. Or you score three, you still win that game. Yeah. Much of this is going to be about how, how well they continue to play defensively. And I would say the one thing is, you know, they're still going to have to work on limiting chances against, and in some games, limiting shots. But what we have seen is, you know, when their game is loose, they give up a lot of shots. When they've played well, they've actually done really well at limiting shots against. So that's where the there, there's been a large difference in the Canucks games where they've given up they've given up a ton of shots in some yeah. games, and then when they've played well, we saw it in that three game stretch. They can really limit shots against when they're really back checking and really keeping the neutral zone tight. Yeah, and. I think right now we're seeing this team, you know, with some, you know, lopsided wins, 8-1 over the Edmonton Oilers, 10-1 tonight, and a lot of their goals have come in these games. So when we look at the goal differential, so that's what? That's 9-7, and seven, that's 16 goals, and their yep. goal differential is plus 24. So 16 of the 24 come in two games, right? Yeah. So th- obviously these two games early in the season when the sample is smaller, it is really going to impact where these numbers go. And I would say even the game against St. Louis, they win 5 nothing. I would say by the end of the season, those are not going to be normative wins by the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah. I think we'll see more 3-2 victories. I think we'll see them being more tight, low-scoring games. And I think they have a chance in excelling in those games because of their goaltending, of course. Yes. They're special teams. I know they gave up a power play goal late, and I think that's a bit unfortunate. But their special teams, their PK is getting stronger. Their power play goes what three for four tonight, three for five tonight, or what four for six? I got yeah, I four forget for five. four for five tonight. So the power play is shooting up back up again. So if you contain, maintain a good special teams, good goaltending, even if these things normalize, I see a pathway for Vancouver still to be a successful hockey team that can win a lot of their games down the stretch. Uh, let's get back in on the uh, Dunbar Lumber text message inbox, Dave from the. Val- Alley, Quinn catching up to Jack. How cool would it be for the family to have the brothers one and two in points? It would be very cool. Also very unlikely, but dare uh, to dream. You know, there could be a scenario where, uh, Jack Hughes wins the heart and Quinn Hughes wins the Norris. Hey, it's possible. You know, others texting in and saying the Canucks have a candidate for the heart, the Norris and the Jack Adams. Yes. So I mean, you know, some people think maybe the Canucks can do it. Don't forget the uh, <laughs> don't forget the Vesna as well. Right? Forgot about that one. Forgot about just going to be a Canucks sweep. You know, well. they're going to win seventy two games, be like the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> I mean, who's, who's is JT winning the Selkie? Yeah, <laughs> it's possible <laughs> by the end of the season. All right, uh, having like a lot of Johnny fun. Drum. Anything is possible. <laughs> That's what it feels. That's like. what happens after a ten one win. Uh, the vibes. The vibes are good. The vibes are vibing. That's what they're doing right now. Uh, it, all, all, no, all kidding aside, though, like. The, the reason the Canucks are off to the 7-2-1 and one start, the biggest reason is their star players, right? Tockett knew if when he came in, if I'm going to get this team to go, it's I got to get those guys going. Well, and he's got them going in a big way. You've got Pedersen going, 19 points, one behind Jack Hughes. You've got Quinn Hughes playing like the best defenseman in the league. JT Miller playing as the best version of JT Miller we've seen. Brock Besser's back on track. Thatcher Demko is a stud. And you've built what is, so far through 10 games, 
even by the most um, pessimistic analyst's mind, at least a top five defensive pair in the league in Hughes Hironic. At the very least. And another strong game from them. Hironic is now up to 10 points on the year. He has 10 assists. Ten, no goals. Yeah. You know, he's he's one of the few Canucks now that hasn't scored a goal this season. Him and Mark Friedman. Um, and, and I'm not counting guys like Noah Juleson. And Ian Cole hasn't scored yet a goal. But he has 10 assists on the season. Obviously, we'll see if he's going to have 81 assists by, or 82 assists by the end of the year. But Quinn Hughes is also plus 13. Yeah. 10 games plus 13. You know, we talk about defensive. It was, game. It's really strange looking at like the plus minus leaderboard, which I very rarely do. But I found it funny that like it was all Canucks at the top yeah. of the plus minus leaderboard. Right, hundred uh, percent. You know, uh, Raj says, "I know you guys keep saying things might normalize, but I can see them activating God mode this season as well." <laughs> and, and listen, there are outlier years. There yes. are years where teams go on a run and they outperform all these things, and and it's hard to maintain that year after year. But we've seen it before, where in a season a team can outperform and dude for eighty two games. Like it, it's not out of the realm of possibility that happens either now the pace they're on is again it's a breakneck pace that it's, I mean, it's seattle ran a, an incredibly hot shooting percentage all year long exactly last year. so those things can also go your way for the whole year and you know listen you never have to apologize for having some good fortune as well right all right uh, we'll keep things going on the text inbox uh, coming up in a few minutes but let's get back to the phone boards let's take one phone call before the break and we are going to get to imac coming up a bit later on the show as well let's go to north van where we have Stuart on the line Stuart, what's going on what do you have for us tonight Hey, evening, gentlemen. How are you guys doing today? Good, man. You? I'm doing fantastic. I'm doing uh, just peachy. Um, I mean, yeah, like, what more can you say? Just uh, I was listening to uh, to the radio with you guys and just listening to the game, and it's just, you know, I, I kept thinking, like, I'm having deja vu. I walk out of the room. I come back, another goal, another goal. And, I, I mean, going into this game, of course, you, the poor Sharks. I mean, you have to feel bad for them at the end of the day. You know, every sports fan had, you know, a year or a stretch of games where you are just the, the punching bag of your league, and it sucks. So you do have to feel for San Jose in that regard. But to the Canucks' credit, it's good to see that we just stepped on the gas and kept on going because these are those games that, beyond the score, you're just building that composure and foundation. So like you guys said off the top, Quinn Hughes with a quote-unquote quiet five points, and that's what we're coming to expect of him. Like, he is playing at a level that we knew Quinn was a great defenseman, but this is beyond, I'd say, like, and you guys hit on a talk it, whatever he's doing, he has got every single cylinder on fire, and it's just fantastic to see. I mean, we had nine guys with multi-point nights tonight, which is insane. And you look at the division, you know, the poor Sharks with a point, and at the top is Vegas with 21 and so the division is, again, like this huge black and white, you know, split down the middle. So it's nice to see the Canucks keep in focus. And, you know, I, I would love to hear if uh, someone could get uh, Jumbo Joe Thornton's thoughts on what his team would do if they scored 10 goals. But, you know, that's for another one. All right, boys, I'm out. All right, you got it. Hey, thanks for the phone call. That's Stuart calling in. Uh, and a lot of excitement, of course, right? And um, it's just one of those things like we're, we're seeing people in a text inbox and we were joking about, hey, you know, all these awards the Canucks might win. And, and the person says, yo, why the sarcasm when those are all actually possible? And that's fair. We were saying you're not going to have a clean sweep where you win the Vesna, you win the the hard trophy you win the norris you win the selkie you win i don't think that's ever happened yeah that's the point if i need to scour the rule book to figure that one out right it's it's one of those things they're not going to sweep every single award but when you start talking and it's a fair point when you have players that could legitimately be in that discussion at for that many different awards potentially it, it 
it gives you reason to believe and be excited about the team, regardless of how they're coming by it right now and how things are going their way. All right, we'll hit more of your text messages and we'll get to more of your phone calls as well. Plus, we'll hear from Ian McIntyre. And that's all next right here on the Home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drans. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Alpine Credits Canucks Hockey. Down the right way, he shoots and scores! On the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Sushi behind the goal, clears around the far boards. Zadina back to it, is bowled over, and it's a two-on-one for the Canucks. Make that a three-on-one. Hughes, left wing, right circle, Hughes, Shooter scores! Shooter has his first as a Canuck in transition, and it's 8-0 Vancouver. The extra point is good, and the two-point conversion for that matter as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, if it's four or five nothing, you, you still want the guys to play hard. It's nice to see some guys that haven't scored to get their, you know, to get their confidence. Now maybe it loosens guys up, so that's something I'd like to see and um, to get some other guys getting some goals. It was nice to see. Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 10-1 win. Yes, 10-1. Woo. Scorching the Sharks in San Jose. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Uh, Satyar Shaw with Dan Riccio. And he mentions it's also a good game for some guys to get some firsts. Anthony Bavillier, who we'll hear from coming up a bit later on, he gets his first two goals of the season, Dan. And you also see a guy like Pew Suter, who's played so well defensively at times. He gets rewarded with a goal as yep. well. So, so it was a really good day in that regard for guys to you know, get off their slumps. Uh, Mark Friedman got his first assist as a Vancouver Canuck as well. So a lot of uh, good news stories there for the Canucks. And, and one of the good things, especially the, the Pew Suter goal, we talked about it in the second intermission. It, it all starts with a defensive play he makes in the defensive end, right? Um, Andre Kuzmenko's goal, uh, he starts, or sorry, uh, the the Ilya Mikheyev goal starts with good play in the defensive zone for the Vancouver Canucks. We saw that on a few occasions where they turn defense into offense real quick. So some of the staples, some of the mm-hmm. identity came back in for the Vancouver Canucks, where you know they're creating turnovers and then quickly getting up ice and you know putting teams on their heels. Yeah, and especially a team as bereft of talent as this Sharks team, you can't you have to take advantage. And that's what they did. All the takes about a trap game. Oh, no, man. No trap. We need to drag Josh tomorrow on uh, Canuck Central. That's all he was talking about all week. He was worried about a trap game. Come on. (laughs) I'm like... I don't know. I said you, 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 we, we I, I, the, I said the only way you're going to lose this game is if you get goalied, like absolutely goalied. Yeah. And they didn't. They didn't. They didn't even start Mackenzie Blackwood, who uh, has a good record against yeah. the Vancouver. Cubs. And then he came in cold and looked terrible. So the numbers yeah. are changing now. How about yes. that, Mackenzie Blackwood? His numbers <laughs> against the Canucks were like freakishly good. And some people uh, actually mentioned because I put it out on Twitter and. Um, his numbers coming into the game, he had like a nine sixty two yeah. save percentage, two shutouts, five wins, zero losses. Like those were like when he was with New Jersey, and New Jersey was really bad. Yeah, like Jersey was going through their tank season, but they weren't this bad. 
They won't, no, nobody's this bad. No, this is this is really bad. This is really bad. <laughs> they might not win twenty games, Sat. Yeah, well, I, they might not, man. Twenty. I don't know. I said twenty. Watching them again tonight, I don't know if they're going to get twenty. Uh, Samson and, and Mount Pleasant. The Canucks are this year's version of last year's Devils. That's a take. That is definitely a take. That's a take. <laughs> Feeling good, man. Vibe. I have no issues. Keep vibing. And now, because you know. They've got a goalie, so they can't be last year's Devils. Like, are you saying they're better than last year's Devils, then? Uh, and this text from Bob in North Vancouver: I really want to drink all the Canucks Kool Aid, but I'm scared. Fan from season one, Bob from. So you have fans who are like, "Next year's Devils, here we go," and some that are like, "I don't know, I don't know Bob, if I'm ready to go yet." Uh, loving your favorite hockey team is is like love in general. It can be scary, you know. It can it can be real scary. To feel vulnerable like that. Yes. But this Canucks team, you know, they're worthy of your vulnerability. Mm. You know, we'll they, they might just be that good. If your heart breaks, you can blame Dan. Everybody always blames Dan anyways, Bob. So <laughs> just just blame it on Dan if it goes sideways. The thing is, like, being a sports fan generally just ends in disappointment. You know, it ends with a broken heart. Don't I know it. Unless you're from Boston. Unless, yeah, essentially. <laughs> Even if you get rid of all your like Hall of Famers, yes. you're still great. Uh, Cam and Port Moody. Trading Horvat was the right thing to do. Hashtag, I'll tell you that for free. Canucks offense totally sufficient without him. Mind-blowing. Give Alvin and management credit. That's Cam and Port Moody texting in. And, and we have a lot of thoughts, Then I'll let you let you read a couple as well. I'll, I'll get this one eat. Uh, get get this one in. Sneaky Pete in, in New West. Besser is now second in goals. PD is second in points. Hughes for D-men. Let's get Besser and PD to, to the top for the sweep. Sneaky Pete in New West. Uh, this one comes in. Hey, boys, good eight-hour shift. Long night for the crew. Ten out of ten. Fantastic. Honestly, I, you know what? I'm always ex- honestly like this job is amazing. I love doing yeah. it. Win or lose, like it, it's great to do it. But uh, obviously, it's more fun when when the team has a good performance, right? It's 100% better when the, the team is, is quality and we get to have fun with the texts more than anything else. Uh, Joel from Richmond. Brocktober moving directly into Flovember. I don't know. I just, November, sure. Why not? Brock already got a month. We need to figure something else for November. Let November, <laughs> let November have November. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Gary from Richmond. With the team being on such a good run, can you see Garland rescinding his trade request? It's all about winning, and the teams rumored in on Garland aren't doing nowhere as well. It's it's a good question. I don't think the Canucks will stop listening and exploring, even if he rescinds his trade request. And if you ask him, he would say he never made a trade request. Mm-hmm. It's just that he knows he's being traded and he wants to help facilitate that. And that's why you get a new agent who's also working on trying to find one. I don't think I think it's not going to be easy to move him no matter what we've been mentioning. Like we mentioned this when the rumors happen on the first day of the season and people are like, oh, he's, something's going to happen pretty quickly. We're like, it's going to take time. Ten games in, it doesn't seem like there's been a lot of movement. Like Elliot Friedman said, the Canucks are willing and, and ready to do business whenever anybody else is. But right now, it's a question of if and when anybody else will be willing to make do any business. So I don't think their start is going to really impact the situation with Connor Garland. I think if the right thing came along finally, they'd still do it. It's, uh, it's difficult to do with Garland and, and the salary and... I sort of wondered today when we briefly spoke about it on uh, Canuck Central regarding uh, Elliot's uh, note in 32 Thoughts, is, is, is Garland gaining value? Like I know generally when your team plays well, it, it can help. Yeah. It, it, you know, it, it makes everybody on the roster look a little bit better. But Garland's playing a third-line role. He's not scoring much. He's got a goal and two assists so far all season long. 
it's, you know, you're kind of seeing Garland for where his best fit is on a roster, and that's not a fit that's worth paying four nine five million a year. Yeah, and ultimately, you know, it's it's going to be a reduced role for him. Yeah, because of what he wants to do. So he would also prefer to go somewhere where he would be valued to play more in a bigger role as yeah. well. So that's why it's ultimately going to be something that, if it comes down to it, the both sides will always be willing. But San Jose yeah, could use a few players. They could. <laughs> But I mean, honestly, honestly, like you know what? They're succeeding in their failure. You know, like that's that's kind of what they're trying to do. Sure, yeah, fine. Like they want to be bad, they're being bad. But this is now the fifth year in a row they'll miss the playoffs. Yeah, because they're not making the playoffs this year. (laughs) So that's five years in a row. Given what you've seen on this roster, yeah, even if they get Macklin Celebrini, are they a playoff team next year? Mm. No, no, they're really bad. Right? So they're at least, at least, at the very least, this year and next year away, which means they would have missed the playoffs six years in a row. So your best case, best case, is missing the playoffs for seven years of finally making it. And you might, it might still, it might take a decade before the Sharks see the postseason again. And that's not an exaggeration. It's, uh, it's going to be a while. (laughs) It's going to be a while. Now they avoided the rebuild for a while, you know, they that that's part of the reason that they're in this spot now. The problem with hockey is you can't turn it around as quickly as maybe some other sports. Like the Texas Rangers yeah. 2 years ago lost over 100 games and then, you know, last night they won their first ever World Series. The thing is they threw 500 million dollars at the problem. Well, that's, that's it costs money because I mean, and baseball's the same. They do draft 18-year-olds oftentimes and yes. sign teenagers and everything. Like those things do happen, right? But but like good free agents can hit the market. Corey Seager, Marcus Semien, good free agents actually hit the Shohei Otani, like good free agents hit the market in baseball all the time. And if you're willing to trade your prospects, even if you're a bad team, you can always get players. Yeah. Right? It's a funny sport that way where if you're willing to trade your best prospects, you can get decent players, right? Every team can do that in hockey as well, but hockey, the players take longer to develop. It's the salary caps an issue. There are a lot of things that get in your way. Good of, players don't generally make it to free agents. No, they don't. They barely do. So it's it's one of those things it takes a long time. You know, especially if you want to tear it down and you're seeing it here with San Jose. We'll get back to some of your text messages and we'll hear from Anthony Bavillier and we'll get to Ian McIntyre in the final segment going to midnight tonight because the game started at 7.30 this evening. But let's go back to the phone boards. Uh, We have somebody waiting patiently to get on. It's time for Gary in Maple Ridge. Gary, thanks for calling in. Uh, What are your thoughts tonight after a 10-1 win? Well, first of all, can you hear me all right? Yes, Yes. we got you. I wanted to say something that's a little bit more important than the score because I watched it... uh, Yes, we won 10-1, to but we were playing San Jose. They're terrible. What I wanted to say was this. We're playing Rick Tockett-type hockey. I've been watching hockey for over 50 years. I'm 60, I just turned 65 this year. I never liked watching Rick Tockett because he was a tough SOB, and I can say that on the radio as long as it's abbreviated. He fought, and he was difficult to play against. If you watch the way the Canucks are playing right now, they're fun to play, uh, fun to watch. But are they ever difficult to play against? It doesn't matter who it is. They're checking. I saw Ian Cole in the first period knock a guy into the into outside the uh, outside the the rink, and all you heard was a ooh by the crowd, which was very sparse. I just wanted to let, let you guys know that uh, they're fun, but. We have to play uh, 
um, Dallas. We have to play um, Vegas, and we have to play a couple of. These are all big teams. Enjoy it, guys. But let's be real about it. We were we we played a bad team tonight. We scored ten one, uh, scored a ten to one um, score. But still, we have to play a few other teams. Just keep on enjoying it and buy a ticket to watch number. Well, we all know we all know who he is. Hughes. He is some hockey player. Thanks, guys. Thanks for the phone call. Number 43, Quinn Hughes. And he is. I mean, five points tonight, Dan. And, you know, he has, what, 13 on the season in 10 games. No, sorry, 16. I'm sorry. I'm shortchanging the poor guy. He has 16 points in 10 games plus 13. Uh, I I mean, you want to talk about somebody who we want to talk about normalizing greatness. We talk about this about Quinn all the time. We watch him on the power play and he does these amazing, amazing things, holds the puck in and sometimes barely gets an applause. Cause you, you watch, you watch Quinn yeah. do this since the first day he stepped on the ice as a Vancouver Canuck in 2018, 2019. So it's like, you've seen this from him, but he's an absolute pleasure to watch, especially with the confidence he's playing with now. The way he evades four checkers, his skating, his stick handling, now the way he shoots the puck, the way he controls the game, uh, he he's just a dominant force right now. It's uh, it's crazy, man. Like, he's just... He is a freak. He's You know, he looks like the fastest kid alive sometimes, to borrow a line from Seth Rogen and Superbad. It, but the way he evades four checkers and just seemingly with a couple of steps completely gets away from the oncoming checker how he opens up the ice with his different um you know movements in the offensive zone his fakes his shoulder dips and the edges on his skates he's just like i called elias petterson a wizard but they've got two wizards Uh, both him and quinn hughes are just incredible and you know it it was it was always going to take them a while Right, you expect sometimes when you have franchise players like, oh, they're going to be great. Twenty one, twenty two. That's uh, th- that's when they're at their best. No, right now is when they're at their best. Twenty four, yeah. twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight. Yeah, I, yeah. I think it all does come go all the way up to twenty eight, where they do have their best years in that sort of five six year f- range. And we're seeing the best of Quinn Hughes, and we're seeing the best of Elias Pettersson right now. Yeah, absolutely. And you're you're seeing levels that we always wondered if they could reach. Mm-hmm. Now, how much more can they do? And that's what you get greedy. You're like, okay, this is great. What else can you do? Because you see this greatness, and usually those players continually get better. Yeah. As Rick Tockett says, you know, when uh, how do they inspire their teammates? That's the next step for, for this group of players. Yeah, and it's, it's 10 games into the season. There yeah. are a lot of steps remaining for this team, right? And we have a lot of good thoughts on that. Uh, Sonny is, is a bit skeptical from Burnaby. says, I don't see them beating Dallas and Edmonton coming up. If they do, then playoffs might be for real. Uh, and this one here, I think makes a good point Canucks real test starts from November 22nd to December 16th play Sharks and Ducks in that time but look at the other teams those outcomes will give you a real real sight of who they are and I think that's true and like spiritual advisor says I like how the conversation however has turned this year to how are we going to beat the best teams it's great what you've done and it's not just about making the playoffs now it's like okay how good are you can you just make the playoffs or can you be a team that's actually okay interesting not a cup of contender but a team that can be spicy yeah. That's that's hard to beat. Hey, the Rangers game on Saturday was a good indicator that this team can really ramp it up to a high level and go up against some pretty good hockey teams. And I'd rather have that discussion than the one we had after 10 games last year, and that's how are they ever going to win? Are they? Do we have to rebuild? What do they do? And at least 
We're talking about 10-1 wins right now and a good good start to the season, 7-2-1. All right, we'll get to Ian, Ian McIntyre and hear more from Canucks players like Anthony Bavillier right here on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Talking all Canucks all the time. It's Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Pedersen, top of the right circle. Back to Hughes at the line. Still more than a minute left in the power play. Now Miller gets it left circle. Down low, Kuzmenko threw it up front. Batted out of midair and in by Brock Besser. His second of the hockey game. Team leading eighth of the year. The Canucks go to three for three on the power play. And it's four to nothing. Great hand-eye coordination by Brock Besser. Back in on the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the Home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Dan Riccio. Keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. Uh, we were uh, beside ourselves laughing at poor uh, uh, Sharks head coach Dan Quinn yeah. and uh, about, man, uh, he... <laughs> he, you want to coach in the National Hockey League, right? I mean, it's hey, there's only 32 of these jobs. Oh, and, you know, you just had a tough go in New York... You you took over a, a rebuilding New York Rangers team. You finally start coming like seeing the end the end of that road, and then you get cut. Yeah, by the Rangers. Your next opportunity comes with this Sharks team. What are you supposed to do with this team as a coach? What like how do you go into the next interview? Because like David Quinn, the problem with taking over a rebuilding team. You rarely, how many of those rebuilding coaches get to like the crest of it where you get through the dark years and then you get to see the team into, you know, or you get to coach a more talented team, right? You're literally hired to be fired. Yes. It's like you're, you're going to be our guy for the next three years. You're going to get paid well, but it's going to be tough. Yeah. Well, it's going to be, and that's kind of how it's going for David. So you feel for the guy. I mean, no, I mean, he's, I'm sure he's compensated well. Yeah, it's but. fine. I mean, Tomas Hurdle said uh, none of the players deserve to sleep well tonight because they don't deserve <laughs> to have a good night's sleep after that performance. And Tomas Hurdle, I mean, he collected the bag. You want to talk about you know, not feeling sorry for anybody. So you don't feel sorry for a guy who, I mean, he, he knew what was, what could have been in front of him. And yeah, and they offered him a lot of money and he took it. So It's uh, funny uh, looking at some of these quotes from the Sharks, actually, uh, from Nico Sturm. It's not about the coaches. When you lose 10-1, the coaches aren't out there and playing it's far too easy to play against us right now that's certainly not the coach's fault no no i mean it's not i mean the coach can, you know, can only do so much and their talent is really bad like i still think they'll be better than what they've been like, they'll, they'll do something here but i mean it's it's just a really bad hockey team they get rid of, i mean it shows you too how important eric carlson was yeah i know couture is also injured but last year with eric carlson they weren't like horrible they, they were they were like they weren't good but yeah you know. but they haven't pl- like they're not playing with any sort of structure either right they're still playing like they have eric carlson to help them uh you know get some offense going but they don't have eric carlson anymore and so now if you're going to at least be somewhat difficult to play against you got to play with a little bit of structure yeah 
Play more and, of a defensive game. Well, and are they try going, to slow the opponent down in the uh, in the neutral zone? Do something. They I mean, is this rock bottom for them already in the season? Yeah. They've they've now lost ten games in a row. They have one point, and they're they just had a ten one loss. Yeah. Is this rock bottom? Sad. The Canucks scored as many goals, like scored. <laughs> 10 goals in the game. The Sharks have 10 goals on the season. Yeah, it tells you everything you need to know. If this isn't rock bottom, what is for this team? Right. Okay. And if Mind that's... you, they're still going to win like maybe 18 games as the season goes on. Yeah, 20 games. Maybe. Yeah. We'll see if they can do that. Right. I mean, hey, I, I said they'll win 20 because you just don't see in teams in the NHL not win 20 games anymore. But I mean, they're really bad. But at least like the Blackhawks have Bedard. Yeah. They don't. They have the something. They have William the Eklund sh- who hasn't yet figured it out. Yeah. They're Sharks a couple years away. They're a couple years away from ha- they're they're three years away from being five years away. Yeah, <laughs> somebody Samson and Mount Pleasant is like you're you're exaggerating. Like, they're not going to be ten. Like I don't think it's a, it's a stretch to think that it could take the better part of a decade. They've already missed the playoffs four years in a row. Yeah, this is five. They're probably missing in the year afterwards as well. That's six. So Seth, they're not they're not making the playoffs at minimum for the next three seasons. Right, minimum, so and even that would be uh, an aggressive feeling that's missing the playoffs for the better part of a decade then yeah right like i think that's possible here for this team and as far as uh, david quinn is concerned their head coach he he did have some some comments post game we'll play a couple of them here one of them here because uh, you, you do want to hear from the opposing yes. coach when you lose 10-1 and I'd especially for a guy this. who's only had uh, a single point in the season so far in san jose uh, here he is post game from the get-go, obviously, the penalty put us off on the wrong foot tonight to get a four-minute penalty to start the game, and they scored two power play goals. With We were at mentally, really, you could feel it on the bench, deflated us, and, you know, we never recovered, and just really, uh, really disappointing. You know, we took a big step back tonight, and it's early in the season still, obviously. You know, it's embarrassing to have the record we have. It certainly is embarrassing to have the performance we have tonight, and... You know, we're going to find an awful lot about individuals here moving forward over the next next few days. All right, embarrassing. You know, he sounded he, he sounded pretty down to be honest. Yeah. Like he was mad, but like you could tell that he's like, man, that sucked. <laughs> well, I mean, they they had a promising start. You know, they create a big chance in that first shift, and then right after, you know, they they take the penalty, and it's two goals. It it feels. Like he said, you could feel how we got deflated. Yeah. And I said it in the intermission. It was just like the Canucks broke their spirit. They did. <laughs> Whatever spirit they had. It's like they get ramped up. Okay, guys, like another chance. Let's get, let's get, let's get, let's get in the win call. Let's at least put in a good performance tonight. It's just like it's 2 nothing. 2 nothing right away. Three minutes. You're like, we didn't even play that bad. And it's 4 nothing. It's like, oh, my God. And then you get into the second. And, and they score another four. It's tough, man. You know, the Canucks we, absolutely broke the spirit of their opponent. And, and, and it's not like the Canucks were like trying to score every time in terms of like you know doing highlight real goals or anything. But they were playing their their game. The Canucks kept playing their game offensively. I mean, we had an exchange with somebody in text inbox. I mentioned after the second period, they're up 8 nothing. I'm like, you know, we'll see if the Canucks yeah. can keep adding. They'll look to add to the lead. And they went out there and added to the lead. <laughs> they scored two more goals. I mean, they were taking shots, one-timers. They were driving to the net. I mean, and the Sharks just let them do it. And no matter if the opponent even it's, takes their foot off the gas, if you invite open lanes to professional hockey players, yeah. they're going to take them. Yeah. They're still trying to score. Like, hey, sure, I'll take the point. I'll take the goal. I'll take the assist. Why not? 
Yep. Why shouldn't I pad the stats? Anthony Bovillier, me- I want to get my first goal of the season. Of course I do. 100%. And, and speaking of Anthony Bovillier, got two points on the year. Somebody texted in and said he's now on pace for 41 points. <laughs> Not so long ago, we were talking about bagels for Anthony Bovillier, and now he has five points on the season. It's, yep. it's pretty early in the year. We talk about fun with small samples. That's why it's fun with small samples, because a couple of games changes the outlook of everything. Yep. And as far as Bovillier is concerned, let's play some of his comments post game, uh, celebrating playing 500 games. The Canucks put out a video about that and having his family there to see it see it so it's it's been a a bit of a journey for him since coming over to vancouver but obviously has had a fruitful career in the national hockey league so far and you know maybe those good vibes paid off because he had two goals tonight and here he is post post game with canucks in-house reporter kate Pedersen. yeah it was uh pretty special i mean um doing it the way we did um was pretty cool and um yeah i mean uh a lot goes back to you know being being a little kid and uh sacrificing and uh people have helped me get there and i can be uh more th- thankful for them obviously you want to score in every game but to score in a special game like this extra special yeah um at that point of the game it didn't really mean much but uh yeah it's it's, it's nice to get it out of the way and uh scoring that final game was uh, pretty cool what can you say about this group and the effort and the way that, you know, you guys could have taken your foot off the gas, but you didn't? You played a full 60. Yeah, I thought we uh, played good overall game um, throughout throughout the uh, throughout the night. And um, it's unfortunate we couldn't um, uh, they scored at the end there. But uh, I thought overall our game was good and uh, we've just got to keep building and, uh, yeah, do it in the next game. What does it feel like when you have you know, eight different players scoring, everything seems to be clicking, but what was it like on, on the bench? When it's- yeah, I think just uh, speaks well for, for our depth. I mean, um, our Ds are moving the puck really well, and uh, our forwards are getting to the net. So, um, yeah, we're, we have a really uh, deep group, and I think it uh, that, that says a lot, and I think, uh, yeah, that's why I think we uh, got some goals there. That is Anthony Bavillier. Scores two goals tonight, helps the Canucks win 10-1 over the Sharks in San Jose. And to make sense of it all, it's time for the man we call the triple threat. You see him on TV, Mm -hmm. you read him on digital, and you Mm -hmm. hear him on radio. He is Ian McIntyre. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure I can make sense of this for you, though. (laughs) <laughs> other than to say, other than to say, you know, the Canucks, uh, there's nothing overly lucky about what they've done. They actually are uh, a really good team, or they have been, you know, 72 games to go, so we'll see. But they have, they're completely justified in where they are in the standings. And based on what I saw tonight, so are the San Jose Sharks. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, I'm having trouble figuring out how they managed to get a point. How did somebody not beat them in regulation? <laughs> well, I'm all for it. All yeah. for these uh, teardown rebuilds. They sure are awesome for fans. Yeah, well, there was like 4,000 fans in the building, it looked like. I, I mean, and listen, this is an organization that has had a very proud history despite the fact they haven't won the stanley cup uh, they've lost they've missed the playoffs four years in a row but before that their longest playoff drought was two years in a row that was it so that's a team that's been very successful in that market uh, they're going to start feeling what it's like to be being unsuccessful and bad for many years and i'm really curious to see how that market reacts over time 
Yeah, well, if this was the audience tonight, I don't imagine it's going to be larger next game. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and you know what? I think that's um, that's what made this uh, performance um, more impressive, I guess, for the Vancouver Canucks, IMAC. And we've heard Tockett use uh, uh, the words professional and business-like in the past. The Canucks didn't let this be a trap game for them. They had the pedal to the metal early and made sure to put this one out of reach early for the for the San Jose Sharks. Yeah, I mean, really, it it felt over at at two nothing. Yeah, didn't it? and and of course they got they built the lead by jumping on the double minor that Sturm took, and you know, on, on one hand, I felt sorry for him. You know, sitting there in the penalty box as, as the other team scores twice. You know, a young play, player, you know, trying to make an impression. On the other hand, <laughs> it was incomprehensibly careless what he did off the faceoff to to fork uh, Friedman in the face with the, with the tip of his stick. But the Canucks, you know, how often did we see in the last three years that they kind of played to their opponent. I, I mean, as bad as the seasons were, they still had uh, now and then the Canucks would just uh, unveil this terrific game against a, a really good team and then would would uh, get beaten by somebody that they should beat. And so it was, you know, another, another sign of what uh, you guys were talking about, the professionalism, another sign about being consistent and uh, talk it, you know, God bless him. He's great for the media because yeah. <laughs> he has, it, well, other than the fact he's he's genuinely approachable and honest when you ask him a question, he's got all these catchphrases. <laughs> yes, he does. It's great. And, and you know, when when they pay attention to their staples, they do well. And, and his term, the one I was going to, I was thinking of, is earn your day, right? So... You know they got they got away with a, a fairly sloppy five two win last time out against Nashville, and then they come back and they earn their day by having a strong practice in Vancouver before getting on the plane, and then they earn their day again by taking care of business against the Sharks and and doing it with authority right off the bat. Uh, the the Sharks knew uh, that they were beaten. Uh, at two nothing, they might have known they were beaten uh, as soon as the teams came on for warm up. Who knows? <laughs> but if they had any illusion that they would make a game of this, and I don't know how they make a game of it against anybody with the effort they had, uh, and you know their supposed top players, I realize there's not a lot there. But my goodness, like you know, Hurdle and and uh, Duclair, but um, you know the Canucks. Uh, they just didn't allow this to be a game and, and they looked awfully professional doing it. But, you know, that said, I don't know that they have to earn anything tomorrow. I think it'll be a day off if it hasn't been posted. Have you guys seen, is it a day off for the team tomorrow? Uh, let me check. Really hasn't been quick. Posted, well, well, you check that out. I'll just say, you know, Saturday against Dallas. I mean, that's, it's hard to find two opponents farther apart on the spectrum right now than the Dallas Stars and the San Jose Sharks. So we'll see, we'll see against real competition against a natural NHL team that's going to not only is going to the playoffs. And Dallas is kind of a dark horse 
pick for a lot of people and maybe not even that much of a dark horse pick, but they're not the favorites, but a lot of people think that they have a, they have a team that can win a Stanley cup. So we'll see how the Canucks do on Saturday, but every, every hurdle, however high, like the Rangers last Saturday on, on a back to back or however low, like the Sharks tonight, the Canucks have since that one game in Philadelphia, they've, they've gotten over all these hurdles. The only game that they've lost in regulation was since then was the one right after in Tampa. And even that was, was a victory for the process. It was a victory for team identity and that they, they came back from the awful game in Philadelphia and played a really good game against a a still fairly formidable team uh, in Tampa. And, and since then, you know, five, five, Oh, and one to, to get to the 10 game mark better than anybody thought possible. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, we've we've had a number of discussions uh, with, uh, with a lot of people texting into the show, and, and a lot of good perspectives, and and a lot of questions are being asked about how good is this Canucks team. But I think what we're seeing though is we're having a conversation about okay, can they actually be a really good team? Can they just be a playoff team? Are they somewhere in the middle? And that's the conversation we're having instead of oh, should they rebuild or not? Maybe or are, who are they looking to trade this year? How do they you know get to the playoffs again and it's it's a completely different conversation 10 games into the season because we're not quite sure what they are, but it seems like at the very least they're a competent hockey team that's going to be in a real race this year. Well, I think they're more... <laughs> I, I think you're underplaying them a little bit, Sad. I understand we all need to show some restraint right now because there is so much uh, time left in the season, but they've shown themselves to be more than competent. Mm-hmm. You know, they've, they've, they've shown, you know, they... They beat. Uh, remember they, when they beat the Oilers eight-one on opening night? We didn't know what to make of it because it was so unusual for both teams. And you know, it turns out that Edmonton has had issues beyond that one game, but so much of it, at least from afar, just seems to be their goaltending. You know, again tonight they they badly outshoot the opposition but lose. Uh, but. You know, that 8-1 game turned out that was like a little bit of a, a harbinger for for how the how the Canucks uh, would be. And, and uh, again, I'm all, uh, you know, I'm all for restraint. Uh, and I think the Canucks are doing the right thing with uh, another one of the, the mantras to not get too high, not get too low. But what we're seeing is a level of consistency that really good teams have. And, you know, I, I really uh, thought it was revealing, you know, the, the quotes that Pierre Lebrun had in his athletic story today, you know, from other coaches, Andrew Burnett, saying, I know you guys have, have talked about this. I'm sure you have. Yep. Uh, you know, and and others, Barube and Maurice and uh, Cooper was the other. Um, you know, those those guys aren't aren't uh, just pumping tires because they like Rick talking. And so, if the team is going to be consistent and structured like the way we're seeing, and we're not seeing much wavering in that now right like part of the reason the the Nashville game the other night stood out is because the Canucks were sloppy with the puck but they still got through it and they won by they won by three 
we're seeing a pretty consistent, cohesive, structured team now every game. And when you have that team with the high-end talent at the top of it, and you have Thatcher Demko in goal, you can be a lot, you can be, a, you know, very dangerous. You, you're going to be a lot better than just competent. You're going to win a lot of games. If, if, if they can do that, and that's the question. We, we've seen it for 10 games. Can they do it another 10? Can they do it for 40? Can they do it for 72? But right now, I, I don't think this is an aberration. I mean, certainly some of the things are not sustainable. You know, the the uh, the five on five and even strength even strength save percentages and their shooting percentages and that's you know I don't think anyone should be under an illusion that that's not going to regress a little bit here over time. But let's remember now the team's plus twenty four and goals differential. They have some they have some wriggle room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know if even if they don't shoot quite as well and even if their goaltending is not. Uh, better than the other teams every night. Uh, by the way, Canucks PR just tweeting uh, as they were listening to us here, IMAC. Uh, so uh, they, they got the note that we need to, to know what's happening, and uh, it's a team day off tomorrow for the Vancouver Canucks. Well, there you go. There you go. So, so they get to enjoy their day off. They don't have to earn it because they have earned it. Yeah. And uh, you know what? I'm getting a day off, too. It'll be my second one since October 12th. Oh, so I'm looking beautiful. forward to that. You've yeah, I'm going to take my dad to a medical appointment. Oh. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> luckily, uh, nothing, luckily, nothing too serious. But yeah. we'll get a day off, and then, you know, it will be interesting. I, I just find it, you know, having covered the team for so many years, having seen so many different coaches, so many different players, and guys have tried different things. Uh, I just find it really fascinating right now. I admit I've got a bit of a, a Rick Tockett crush just because I find him so interesting to talk to. He's so honest. But his team is just doing things that I haven't I haven't seen. Like, I mean, you know, the Elaine Vigneault teams, those were those were great teams, but they had they had a lot more talent, I think, than what this team has. But this team is kind of starting to perform like that team, it, just in terms of the consistency and the effort that they're bringing and their ability to go low, you know, their ability to score goals. And, of course, they have they have goaltending as well. I, I just find right now all these different situations, you know, how would they respond against the Rangers after beating St. Louis 5 nothing? Then how would they respond to, uh, you know, that great weekend against Nashville and then how they respond in the game when clearly they weren't at their best, but what did they do? Then they come back and this was probably the, the least suspense of any game, but no one, no one predicted that they were going to get to 10 tonight before the sharks did uh, with 10 losses versus 10 goals. But now I find it interesting again. Okay. You just beat this dreadful team, 10, one, you're you're seven two and one through ten games. Uh, coaches from other places are now singing your praises. Uh, if if they dare to look on social media, they might even find some positive stuff. <laughs> and now how? So now how do they how do they come back from this against a, a, a legitimate cup contender like like Dallas? So 
it'll be another another interesting gauge to see where this team actually is in its evolution. Well, IMAC, there's a, there's a reason uh, you know what the Canucks are doing is is uh, something you haven't seen very often. It's because the Canucks, after their ten goal performance, are one of five teams in the past thirty years to have forty six goals or more through the first ten games of a season. So uh, that stat coming from NHL PR. So it's uh, yeah. It's not yeah, very common that a team is is off to this kind of a start they're on offensively. Pace, they're on pace with 377 goals. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to say that for sure is not. <laughs> and, they're and, not and, the 82 and, Oilers, IMAC. Well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. No, I didn't. I think the 82 Oilers had 40 shorthanded goals. I, I'm pr- probably remembering <laughs> that wrong, but it was just some uh, absurd statistic. They scored 400 but, goals a year. Those uh, Oilers teams. Yeah. They were nuts. The the forty six goals would be even more impressive if it was like four or five every game. Right. Yeah. But they did they did have eight and they did have ten, and that's going to inflate things. But I, but even then, if if you look at the three blowouts they've had, they obviously the Oilers are scuffling, but eventually somebody's going to make some saves, and they've got McDavid and Drysaddle. They're going to win games. They're going to be in the playoffs. The Oilers will. I'll go out on a limb and say they're going to be a playoff team. But at the start of the year when the Canucks played them, there was talk that they were maybe a a Stanley Cup uh, favorite for some people. And and certainly to come out of the West, I think probably more people had them coming out of the West than than other teams. And yet the Canucks beat them 8-1. And then they beat St. Louis, which is, you know, hardworking, going to be a middle-of-the-road team. Maybe they can be a bubble team and push for the playoffs, or maybe they're another year and and a couple more players away. But they're they're not an easy out. You know, they're... they're, I would say they sat are a competent NHL team. (laughs) Yes. You know, and yet the Canucks beat them Mm 5-0, and now they just beat a team at the bottom and won. So even their blowouts, very good Edmonton team, or what will be a very good Edmonton team, middle-of-the-road St. Louis team, now a bottom San Jose team. So, you know, it's not like they've just, um, you know, beat up on, on all the weaklings. And, in fact, their schedule is getting a little easier here uh, in the next while than it has been. And I'm not saying that means they're going to do better than 7-2-1 and one in the next 10. But they've done this 7-2-1 and one where, at least for the first nine games, it was not an easy schedule, either for for travel or opponents. The one thing that they did have is that the games were fairly spaced out. They had only one back-to-back. The road trip was the most elongated five-game trip that I've ever been on. So nobody was tired at the end of that one. But, you know, they've played some good opponents. And, you know, with the travel and stuff, it hasn't, you know, wasn't a, wasn't a gimme. October was not a gimme for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, November, the... Uh, schedule might be a little easier yeah and and honestly i mean they have uh, some a good amount of home games coming and the next two games i mean uh dallas is playing their third game in fourth night four nights yeah that night uh, i mean we know edmonton's been scuffling i mean there's still opportunity abound these next two games like against dallas and edmonton so uh, i look forward to those games ian because if they keep winning this way then uh, maybe the conversation goes beyond competent and good to maybe 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 slightly even better than that. And I, I'm here for that discussion. Okay, we played 12.3 percent of the season. Let's let's uh, temper yeah. expectations. 
You still, uh, you still uh, all in on the full rebuild, Dan? Uh, no, no, <laughs> definitely not. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, is Quinn Quinn Hughes like? How much of a, a mission is this guy on? I, I think he's so was so fueled because when you talk to him about hockey, he is. I think I think Talkett has called him a hockey nerd, mm-hmm. and yeah. he, you know, they we used to call them rink rats, but he he's literally a kid who just grew up around hockey rinks, you know, with his dad's job, and uh, so he knows every, when you talk to him about anything going on in the NHL, he knows about it, like he's either seen it or heard about it, so he's really interesting to talk to that way. So <laughs> the fact that. ESPN ranked him the 15th best defenseman in the league. Yeah. And the Athletic had him third tier and a four-way, uh, near as I could figure it, a four-way tie for 12th best defenseman. So he's either the 12th or the to the 15th best defenseman. Uh, I got to think that that gave him a little extra fuel uh, yeah. for what he's doing. I mean, he's it, it, he shouldn't, nobody should be driven by primarily by external factors like that. But I got to think it's it's part of it because night after night, no matter who the opponent is, he's one of the best three players on the ice in the best league in the world. And uh, it's, it's incredible what we're seeing from him. It truly is, Ian. And five points, again, we're talking about setting Canucks records, retiring Canucks records. And it seems like every night we see something special with that guy on the ice. Uh, great stuff as always, Ian. I look forward to reading your latest on sportsnet.ca. And I'm very excited to chat again post-game on Saturday after the Canucks host the Dallas Stars. I think you guys have earned your day. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you as you. well, IMAC. Yeah, always appreciate it. Great stuff as always. See you guys. See ya. That is Ian McIntyre. Make sure to check out his latest on sportsnet.ca. Thanks to everybody listening, texting in, being part of it, calling in. Uh, We love all the interaction. Appreciate every single one of you guys. Uh, We'll be back again tomorrow on Connect Central. Myself, Satyar Shaw, and Dan Riccio will be live on location. And for the Canucks... Autism Network uh, Pro-Am Draft Night. Yes, and it's going to be a lot of fun and great cause. So we look yes. forward to being there and talking to a lot of great Canucks, Canucks and alumni, uh, former players that are going to be at the event. So tune in for that and the mailbag. And special thanks to Fast Eddie Gregory producing the show tonight. And thank you yet again. We'll be back again for game day on Saturday as well, right here on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650.